Welcome to The World in 10, the big news stories of the day explained and analysed by The Times of London. Today with me, Lou Newton and Stuart Willey. Plans for the day after the war in Gaza are revealed just ahead of Secretary Blinken's visit, but they aren't without controversy. Israel's Defence Minister has outlined a plan for the future governance of Gaza for the first time. And essentially, it's Israel retaining overall security control. And then you'd have this multinational force that'd be formed to rebuild the area. Then responsibility for matters amongst civilians would be handed to a Palestinian authority. That announcement came from Yoav Gallant, Israel's defence minister, and it includes plans to give Egypt a role. But what that would be is not yet clear. Samer El-Atrosh is the new Middle East correspondent for The Times. He says other countries in the region will be pleased to hear that Israel is thinking about post-war Gaza, but they'll be considering how it affects their nations. The Americans in particular and, and, and the United Kingdom had been pressuring Israel to, to come up with some suggestion of what they plan to do after the um, uh, after the war. So one, one of the proposals, for example, is having a multinational force in Gaza and then giving the Palestinians some sort of limited self-rule, which is something that might not be seen very enthusiastically by some of the countries. Egypt, for example, would have nothing. We'll have to it just it wouldn't be very very keen on going back into Gaza. It controlled the uh, the the enclave or or, or the, the the strip between 1948 and 1967, uh, and they have their own problems to think about. But uh, they will see this as a starting point. The plan also outlines how Israel's military will proceed in the next phase, with the IDF taking a more targeted approach in the largely destroyed north. And this comes as thousands of Israel's reservist soldiers are being sent home from the Gaza apocalypse in order to save the country's struggling economy. Over 300,000 reservists have been called up since the start of the war. Their number of people is around 15% of the Israeli workforce, so a huge industrial and economic impact on a country that didn't know this was coming. One reservist who'd been commanding a tank in Gaza for 75 days told the Times that last week his superior told the whole unit to go home. He told them, go back to your businesses and your jobs. Part of all of this is to keep the country going. But he did also add that they'd be needed back there again. On the surface, this might indicate a de-escalation, but Israel has warned the war will continue for many months to come, possibly up to two years, and that would require the service of about 460,000 men and women on active reserve. And you can read Catherine Phillips's analysis of the withdrawal of reservists and Israel's struggling economy on the Times' website now. Cheap, guided and lethal. New weapons are giving hope to Ukraine as the war there grinds on. And cheap is a big selling point as Western funding to support the war dries up. The Times' correspondent, Maxim Tucker, has been to the east of Ukraine and told us how they're being used. I've been speaking to Special Forces soldiers operating first-person view kamikaze drones. These are small, cheap, highly manoeuvrable and quite fast drones, largely manufactured in China. And the pilot uses a camera on the front of the drone to fly the drone into weak spots on a vehicle's armour, an enemy vehicle's armour. These drones are adapted to carry different kinds of explosives, but usually rocket-propelled grenades. And in fact, the pilots that I spoke to had already 
hit around a thousand vehicles between them. And so successful have these small groups of special operations pilots been that President Zelensky is now pledged to build a million of these drones for Ukraine uh, in the hope that they can reduce their dependency on Western ammunition. One of the pilots is a former folk musician. He hopes a million more will help in the fight back. The kamikaze drones have already caused Russian tactics on the battlefield to change. Worryingly, Russia is now buying their drones from the same suppliers. These drones are coming from China at the moment, uh, and the Russians are also buying these drones. So the Ukrainians want to start producing these domestically, reducing reliance on China uh, and making sure they can adapt and advance the technology beyond what the Russians have. Ukraine's Deputy Minister for Strategic Industries told me that they're already reducing the amount of components that they import from China for these drones. And this is part of a a big push for the Ukrainians to be more self-reliant on the tools uh, and weapons that they need to defeat Russia in the long term. With surging demand and selling to both sides, tens of thousands of these Chinese drones are being sold every month. And one man is making a killing. That man is Frank Wang. He's said to be the first drone billionaire. His company, DJI, employs 14,000 people, now controlling 70% of the market for these tiny aircraft. And with hobbyists, as well as militaries, wanting to take to the skies, it's a market that could almost double in the next six years to $56 billion. As we record The World in 10 today, we're waiting to hear US President Joe Biden make a speech to mark the third anniversary of the January 6th attack on Congress. It'll be his first election campaign speech of 2024. And the Times Washington correspondent Alistair Dorber told us the president will focus on his most likely Republican opponent, former President Donald Trump. This is where he's going to set out you know, his, his, his belief that Trump threatens American democracy and that, that, that voters should be very cautious and careful about, about entrusting uh, Trump to another four years in the White House. Yeah, there'll be other things as well. I mean, he'll, he'll trumpet his economic achievements as he sees them. He'll trumpet uh, his work on climate change and, and, and those sorts of things. But I think you know, it comes on the third anniversary of January the 6th. It's an opportunity to provide a timely reminder of what happened three years ago, the fact that Donald Trump is accused of trying to interrupt the democratic process and you know, one of the very principles of the American Constitution. Biden will, will press this as a national security issue. He'll talk about sort of the threat from within. But the Republicans and Trump will also talk about national security and say that Biden's failure to act on securing the southern border where hundreds of thousands of undocumented migrants come into the US every year is also a threat to national security. So I think Biden hopes to, on the one hand, sort of talk about the fundamentals of uh, American democracy and and the republic is built on, but also he'll try to nip uh, in the bud this argument that failure to act on on securing the southern border is, uh, is also a threat to national security. Democrats have released figures showing Trump-linked businesses were paid almost $8 million by 20 foreign governments during his presidency. Alistair told us that Saudi Arabia and China were the biggest spenders. What the Democrats accuse him of doing is using his position as president to enrich himself, his family and his businesses. You know, there's one example where the Saudi government spent several hundred thousand dollars at Trump properties in the same month that Donald Trump 
doubted his own intelligence reports that the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia and the de facto leader, Mohammed bin Salman, had a role in the murder of the journalist Khashoggi. So Republicans say that there's a, an element of corruption, if you like. There doesn't appear to be any crime committed. For the motivation really on the behalf of the, of the Democrats is to, is to put up Donald Trump, who's obviously the, the leading candidate at the moment, according to the polls for the presidential uh, nomination of the Republican Party, to, to, to highlight things that they believe are, are untoward and won't go down very well with the public. As expected, South Africa's former golden boy, the athlete and amputee Oscar Pistorius, was released from prison this morning. His father told the Times today after seeing his son, it's not been an easy road, but we are here. You can hear more on Pistorius's time in prison and his parole conditions on Wednesday's edition of The World in 10. Look for the episode named Drone Death Sparks Fears of Wider War. it's the weekend just before we go have you ever wanted to visit the set of your favorite movie or tv show maybe the palace where scenes for transformers were filmed or the cathedral from the da vinci code well it turns out many of the most recognizable locations are here in britain the james bond films captain america the crown and bridgerton all made here and the times can lead you to 15 of the most beguiling filming locations check it out on the times website and thank you for taking 10 minutes to stay on top of the world with the help of the times of london see you tomorrow 